Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. We are in, um, we're not in Proverbs, well, we're in Proverbs 15 tonight. And um, in uh, preparing uh, our lessons through the book of Proverbs, I I thought, wow, I'm looking at my outline and things I had ready, and I said, I don't want to teach this till all the teenagers are back. So I have had this outline for many months, and it wasn't quite completed, so I completed it today. And it's a topical outline, but it's from the book of Proverbs, and uh, I think it will help us all. And then we'll be back on our verse-by-verse commentary on next Wednesday. All right? So uh, still in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15. I thought about several things to call this little outline, but here's what I settled on. How to stop arguing. How to stop arguing. I remember a little fourth grade boy, a little buddy named Alan in class. And Alan has a good, good spirit and good-natured boy. And mom and dad were gone or something, and, and so we, we got uh, farmed out to different places to stay the night. And um, I stayed the night with Alan. And you know, that's the first time I ever heard people yell and screaming at each other in the house. Now, not Alan, not me. I was in, you know, I was in his room and whatever. But I could hear the adults yelling at each other, arguing back and forth. That was foreign to me. I remember thinking, what in the world? And the next morning at breakfast, Alan's mom, uh, uh, just me and Alan there at breakfast table, mom, and, and she looked at me. I'm the fourth grade kid. And she said, I'm sorry for what you heard last night. We shouldn't talk like that to each other. And she apologized to me. Well, you talk about awkward. That was awkward for a fourth grade kid. <laughs> Don't apologize to me. I guess I think she's probably worried I was going to go home and tell my parents, you know. Uh, I didn't. I told everybody. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, you know, it's not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way. Home ought to be a place of peace. Amen. So here's, a, I think, a practical outline. Proverbs 15, 1. Do you have it there? Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Heavenly Father, use some of these thoughts to bring some peace and harmony to homes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We had a little girl named Carla, and um, I was a college student <clears throat> working a bus route. And uh, and uh, uh, trying trying to get her on the bus, and um, it's one of, one of those. I think I have the right child. I believe it, I believe that's the right child. But a little girl, maybe 11, 12 years old, something like that, and tried to get her on the bus. Tried to get her on the bus, and we get a positive response on Saturday. Yeah, I'm com- I like to come. But when Sunday came, never get she'd never get on the bus. And I remember going up. To, uh, it's about the second or third floor apartment and going up through the stairwell it's inside stairwell and getting to the door and before I got to the top of the stairs I could hear the yelling and screaming and I heard mom and she was swearing and all of a sudden I realized she's swearing and yelling at her daughter and I I was ready to knock on the door of course I stopped I didn't want to knock on the door, then they know I heard all that inside the door. So I waited for a break, I waited for a pause, and it was quiet for just a little bit. 
and I knocked on the door. <clears throat> and I said, hey, it's Brother John. Brother John. Knocked on the door. The door opened. The little girl opened the door real sheepishly and had that look on her face like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm, what I'm supposed to do right now. And, uh, and I looked at her mom. I said, hey, we're so excited. Carla's going to come to church this morning, right? And the little girl's just looking at me and like looking up at mom like, what do I say? Mama just got through screaming, cursing at her, telling her, you're not going blankety-blank church. And the little girl's looking like, what do I say? And the mom said, well, get ready. Now, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't let on I knew anything. And the little girl just confused as she could be. But she came. Amen. She got loved on by God's people when she came to church. Amen. She got loved on by God's people. Lady workers swoop around her. And just, and, and you know what? Uh, there's a lot of turmoil in a lot of homes, isn't it? I trust it's not that way. I think the Maddox are the ones who really have trouble with this. But I think everybody else here, and uh, let's be kind to Brother Kevin Knight. But anyway, I'm not correcting anything that I know of in this room. I don't, I'm not, honestly, I'm not correcting anything tonight. But, but you know, uh, we all get, we have tense times, don't we? And, uh, and, and the devil loves to stir up strife. The 18th verse of Proverbs 15 says this, A wrathful man stirreth up strife. A wrathful man stirreth up strife. Angry men stir up trouble. Back in Proverbs 10, 12, you'll find this little phrase, Hatred stirreth up strifes. Proverbs 28, 25 said, He that is proud of heart, that is of a proud heart, stirreth up strife. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 8 and 9 said, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Proverbs seventeen fourteen: Leave off contention, strife, contention, conflict, before it be meddled with. Home ought to be a peaceful place. Amen? Home ought to be a haven. It ought to be a place where folk love each other and get along with each other. Let me give you some practical thoughts. How can we stop the arguing? Number one, fill your heart with grace every day. Fill your heart with grace every day. What do I mean by that? Well, grace is God's been better to me than I deserve. Amen? I'm going to say God's been better to me than I deserve, right? Absolutely. We believe that. And so if I fill my heart with something, that means I've got to fill my mind with it. That means I've got to think about the goodness of God in my life every single day. So my heart gets filled up with it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Remember that verse? So what we dwell on is what gets in our heart. What gets in our heart is what comes out. You, you, you know why uh, uh, we, uh, we, we, uh, our, our anger comes out and, and, and shortness comes out, quick-tempered comes out? Because that's what we've been thinking about. We'd be thinking about how we're mistreated. So that's what gets in our heart. That's what comes out of our mouth. We think life's not fair. We dwell on that. That's what gets in our heart. That's what comes out of our mouth. Uh, in jo- I wasn't treated right. I wasn't done right. Somebody mistreated me. We think about that. It gets in our heart. Comes out of our mouth. Comes out in our spirit. Comes out in our attitude. Or, or we just maybe we don't. Maybe it's not anger. Maybe we just remember that little verse said this. By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Whose spirit? My spirit. When I feel sorry for myself, that ruins my spirit. 
A lot of people don't. They don't argue. They just close off the rest of the world. Look, you live in a home. How many of you live in a home? How many of those other people in your home? You ought to fellowship with those people in your home. Let me try that again. You ought to fellowship with those people in your home. You ought to talk to one another. You ought to have conversation. You ought to have conversation. <laughs> the mutual exchange of thoughts and ideas. How was your day? Right? And some people dwell on life's not fair. It might be 20 years ago. Why does that get, what happened to you 20 years ago? It give you a right to walk around like you got duct tape on your mouth and not talk to somebody. That's not right. Home ought to be a haven. Ought to be a place of fellowship. Not yelling, not screaming, not arguing. Not everybody going in and shut the doors. Uh, okay. You are what you dwell on. If you dwell on contentious things, you'll be contentious. If you dwell on injustice, ill treatment, unkept promises, disappointment, then you'll be ready to fight. But if you dwell on the grace of God, then you get your heart filled with grace. God said, fill your... Look, you won't be gracious, get your heart filled with grace. Again, how many say, God's been better to me than I deserve? Amen. That's what you got to dwell on. You say, well, we're having trouble right now. All right, but there's a lot of good things. I mean, you're still saved. You're still saved. All right, praise God. You're healthy enough to be here, say amen. But praise the Lord. Miss Becky, she's shouting amen right now. She's about to run the aisle. And she just got back into church eight weeks or something like that, a lot of weeks. Twelve weeks, good night. Twelve weeks, couldn't come to church. And uh, I know she's glad to be here tonight. But, but you know, God's been good to us. Amen. you got to get your heart filled every day with the grace of God. That little verse says, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. You know what? Listen, I like singing on pitch better than I like singing off pitch. But I'll tell you what I like best. I like singing with grace. You ever hear somebody sing? Maybe they weren't quite on pitch. But they were just so in love with the Savior they were singing about. You couldn't help but get a blessing. Amen. I'd rather hear that ten times. Rather I would have somebody with a perfect pitch and starchy and not feel a thing. I'm, are we saved tonight? We are saved tonight. Going to heaven tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. God's good. Number two, fill your tongue with grace every day. You want to stop the, the contention, the fussing? Fill your tongue, your mouth with grace every day. Turn to Colossians 4. I want you to see this verse. Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians chapter number 4. Um, let me look at verse number 6. <clears throat> this is such an important verse. Colossians and the New Testament, of course. Chapter 4, verse number 6. And you, uh, this is one of those you want to circle and maybe memorize as well. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Let your speech, what comes out of your mouth, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, 
So it's not all molasses, okay? It's, 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 salt, it's sweet and salty. You see that? Always with grace, seasoned with salt. Uh, you lady said that your, your recipe said put a pinch of salt, right? Put a pinch of salt. So God said that our speech ought to be always with. What is grace? Grace, again, is God's been better to me than, than, than I deserve, right? So if I'm gracious towards someone else, what does it mean? It means that I'm better to them than they deserve. Amen? And especially in this area of speech, he said, let your speech be always with grace. That means this. Listen carefully. That means we ought to talk to people better than they talk to us. He said, well, he's smart off to me. That doesn't give you a right to smart back. No, that's not, that's not grace. Grace is better than, than we deserve, right? And for me to give grace means that I'm, I'm better to the other person. So, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, know what it does, note what it does not say. It does not say always with salt, seasoned with grace. Sometimes, sometimes we pride ourselves in, you know, and we need to be right, and we don't need to be, you know, we need to speak the truth. But God said this, believer, let your speech be always with grace. Our answers should be gracious and in good taste. How many of you like salt? You like salt on your meat and salt? Okay, all right. Uh, now, too much salt will ruin something, won't it? It'll ruin something. Like your health, for example. Uh, no, it, it'll ruin the food. So it's a seasoning. So what does God say? He said, listen, our answers should be gracious and in good taste. Tasteful. Uh, you, know, you know what people do with bitter words? Excuse me, it's a little crude, but that's what they're... Our words that people need, often need, will not be received. Why? They'll be, they'll be spit out. Why? Because... They weren't gracious seasoned with salt. They were just salt. You just give somebody salt, then they're going to spit those words out. Uh, we, we like to go to uh, Carabas, and I told you about this the other day. <clears throat> and they bring that, uh, how many of you ever eaten there? You eaten there before? Okay. They bring you that oil, right? And they put those herbs and spices in it. And so they've got the olive oil and the herbs and spices. And, uh, and so... Uh, sometimes you dip it in there, you get more spice than you get oil, and you put that in your mouth, it's like, whoo, right? And so you can you can put too much spice in something where somebody doesn't want it, and someone will spit it out. Uh, how many of you like uh, how many of you like onions, like on your tacos and onions on your burgers and stuff like that? Okay, uh, how many of you know what too many onions will do to you? Right? <laughs> All right. Uh, I I was a freshman and had to take a uh, um, a speech class, and the speech class was taught by the Dr. Evans, the president of the college, his wife, Mrs. Evans, and um, uh, Mrs. Moffat was her assistant. So sometimes Ms. Evans was not always in good health, and sometimes Ms. Moffat and uh, would teach. But uh, in class, in one of Ms. Evans' class, in a speech class. Um, a, a young married lady 
And so it's mixed class. Mixed class had men and ladies in it. But, it, you know, it's a public speaking and a very practical class. Anyway, but um, there's a young married girl, and she, she just kind of interrupted the class and started telling uh, how that uh, her husband uh, was working hard, working extra, and making a way for her to be able to go to college as well. So he's working and paying his school bill and so forth, but he is also making a way for her to go to school. Then she turned around, like, to address the class, and there's men, and there's single men, there's married men in there, there's, you know, it's a mixed mixed class. Then she said, men, when you marry, you ought to see to it that your wife gets some schooling. She got a little didactic. Now, you know what? I think that was a that was a true thing that she said. That would be good for men to be able if they if that's something that would be helpful and they decide to get that's a good thing. I think that'd be a good thing. But you know what? She didn't help that cause. She hurt that cause that day. By her smart mouth. Now what she might have done, she might have said, Could I just give a little testimony, Ms. Evans? Yes, ma'am, you may. I just want to brag on my husband right here. He's so good to me, and he made a way for me to be able to get some school, and I know it's going to take a little long for him to graduate because he's got to work extra hours, but he did that, and we're learning and growing together, and I'm just so grateful, and I, I hope every one of you ladies in here, when you marry one day, I hope you have a man as good as I've got. Now, you know what? I guarantee all them young boys in there, they think, they think well, I'll do something like that for my wife one day. Now, it's the same truth. One was gracious Season with salt, the other with salt, a little grace in there. You understand? Too many times what we, we get so conscious, but this is right. It may be. But it won't be received well <laughs> if it's not 90% grace and 10% salt. This makes sense to anybody? Well, sometimes we, 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 will go to, we will go to war. Because we're right. And you may be right. But let me say, isn't, isn't there something to say about peace in the home too? Isn't that, isn't that valuable? <laughs> Number three. Be approachable. Jot this reference down. James chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18. I'm not going to have you turn to all these because we won't have enough time tonight. I'd like to get through this outline. And I got 82 points in this outline. So <laughs> number three, talking about how to stop the arguing and bring peace. Be approachable. Here's what James 3 says uh, in part. Wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. You know what that means? That means approachable. Look, listen. It ought to be in the home that people in the home would say, you, you, you can always talk to dad about that. You, you can always talk to mom about that. Not, you can't talk to dad about that. You can't talk to mom about that. Listen, we ought to be, we ought to be easily entreated. And you know, sometimes in authority, sometimes we, say we, we know we're right. And, of course, I mean, I am. I'm in authority. I'm always right. <laughs> but in our minds, we're always right, you know. 
at least we ought to be if, if we're leading, but nonetheless, but sometimes we, 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 we forget. And, uh, and sometimes I think if it just because it's right doesn't mean it's easy for folks to swallow. Right? This is sometimes a tough pill to swallow. And uh, I love that Bible verse says a spoonful of uh, sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Amen. I think that was one of the prophetess that said that. Anyway, uh, but, uh, but you know, uh, we want to be approachable. Amen. We want to be approachable. Don't question my authority. Don't be so insecure about your authority for crying out loud. If it's a good thing to do, okay. Now, I don't mean like uh, there's a disrespectful way to question. There's a right way to question. But wouldn't it be a good thing if while we're teaching what to do, we teach why to do it? Because, look, I don't want to make decisions for my kids for the rest of their life. I want them to learn how to make good decisions. And, uh, and that means being approachable. Number four, seek first to understand. I'm talking about bringing peace to your home. Seek first to understand. Now, I do want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I do want you to turn there. Just before the book of Revelation, and then back up a few pages, and you'll find 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude. And it's, all that's in just a handful of pages. We're in 1st Peter in chapter number 3. 1st Peter chapter number 3. And it's talking about husband and wife relationships in this passage. <clears throat> And he said in verse 7, he said, Likewise, ye husbands, talking about their wives, ye husbands dwell with them according to what, fellas? According to knowledge. Now, fellas, look, look at me. That's a command. That's a command. I just can't understand women. Join the club. (laughs) Uh, That... We think differently. We're made differently. And thank God we think differently. Amen? Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're different. And, uh, but, but I have a Bible command uh, to, get, to get to know my wife. A Bible command to know and understand my wife. Uh, and knowing how someone thinks and agreeing with them are not the same thing. Men, men think differently. Men think choo, 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 one track. Ladies think like a circuit board with 8,000 lights. And they can think about it all at the same time. We're just like... <laughs> and, and, you know, she, and thank God they do, amen. Thank God they think about all those things. Our kids are alive because of it, fellas. Let's be honest. <laughs> but the, the goal is not to get your wife or your husband to think the way you think. That should not be your goal. Did, did you ever get stuck on, on uh, that exp- uh, verbiage or the expression of something? When really and truly you both knew you knew what the other person was saying. You just wanted them to say it the way you wanted to hear it. Brother Hamilton told me about this. He and his wife have trouble with this. That's how I know about this. But it is a futile thing for a man to try to get his wife to think like he thinks and vice versa. God didn't see. Listen, you don't, you don't want her to think. God made her differently. Amen? God made him differently. 
But what we should do is get to know one another and, and seek to understand. Look, uh, look at um, Philippians chapter 2. Here's a good little verse for you. You're in First Peter. Back up a little bit into your New Testament there to Philippians in chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And uh, look at uh, verse number 4. Look not every man on his own things. Look at it for a minute. Look not every man on his own things. I mean, you say, well, I got a lot going on. What's the next phrase? But every man also, you didn't say forget about your own things. Every man also on the things of others. Yeah, you got things going on. But you know that the uh, other people have things going on too. That's why we get in a car, we got something going on. I got to get somewhere. And we, you ever stop and think that the guy in the car next to you, he might have something going on too? Yeah, but I got something going on. Yeah. Maybe your spouse has something going on. Maybe the other people in your house have something going on. Uh, seek first to understand. You say, I just cannot understand why this person. Okay, well, guess what? The Bible said dwell with them according to knowledge. We, we, we make judgment calls on people. Look, think about how arrogant this is. I just don't understand why. The implication of that is if I don't understand why a certain thing is, is not is the way it is, then it shouldn't be that way because my understanding is the epoch of all human knowledge. Think about how arrogant that is. It's like the Pharisees. They say, well, we don't even know where he's from. He can't be the Messiah. Jesus, we don't, we don't even know where he's from. All that means is you don't know where he's from. That's all it means. Ignorance only proves one thing. Ignorance. If you don't know something, you just don't know it. That doesn't mean everybody else is stupid. Maybe somebody else does know something I don't know. Right? So maybe, maybe, if maybe you say, well, I don't know why they're acting that way. Okay, well, maybe you ought to seek to understand. Instead of just... It's, you give somebody, look, how many of you have a, a bad day? How many had a bad day today? Had a bad day today. Raise your hand, okay? <laughs> a couple honest folks, praise the Lord. How I many of you had once upon a time somewhere out there you had a bad day? Okay, <laughs> good. Okay, all right. And um, did it help your bad day when somebody wanted to clash with you? No, it doesn't help. Doesn't help. A little grace, a little understanding. I told you this story some months ago. Let me tell it again, real quick. It's such a great story. Uh, Stephen Covey told this in his book. But he got on a subway like 5.30 in the morning, headed into New York City. And a man got on at a stop with four children and 5.30, 5.45, something like that. And uh, he's there with his coffee. He's got his newspaper, reads his newspaper, go into work in the mornings. And here's this man. He sits down, and his kids are just wild and crazy, jumping around, hitting his, hitting his newspaper, bothering everybody. 
And he just tolerated it all he could tolerate it. And finally he turned to me and said, Sir, can you not see that your children are bothering people on this train? And the man who'd been in a complete daze, like he was just totally not even knowing what's going on, he sort of snapped out of it. He said, Oh, he said, I'm so sorry. Kids, sit down. Sit. Sit down. Stop this. And he looked at Mr. Covey. He said, I am so please forgive me. My wife just died about an hour ago, and we just came from the hospital. He said, I guess I was just lost in things, not paying attention. Okay. Well, that helps with perspective, doesn't it? Now the one that felt foolish was the man who rebuked him. And he said, sir, I'm so sorry. I misjudged you. I had no idea what you're going through. You know, it, w- it would make such a difference in in our re- in business relationships in the home if we'd take time to stop and try to understand another person instead of judging them and just having a conflict. Number next, listen to what others are trying to say rather than what you hear them saying. Listen to what others are trying to say. You know, too many times we hear only what we want to hear when we're in a conflict. We hear only what we want to hear. And uh, it's kind of silly, but your man asked his neighbor, he's going out of town. He asked his neighbor, he said, sir, will you take care of my dog while I'm on vacation? He said, sure. And so the man was gone for a week and he came back home after a week and he's looking for his dog. And his neighbor said, I couldn't find his dog anywhere. He said, sir, uh, where's my dog? He said, well... Uh, I took care of your dog for you. You did what? He said, I took care of your dog for you. He said, you don't have to worry about him. He's gone. I got rid of him. Sir, I actually take care of him. He said, that's what I did. I took care of him. So (laughs) the owner wanted his dog cared for. The neighbor was happy to to take care of the dog. Amen. (laughs) So sometimes we're saying the same thing. We mean something different. Proverbs 6.2 says, Snared with thy words, with the words of thy mouth. Too often we listen for an opportunity to entrap another for the sake of providing another wrong, for the sake of proving another wrong and advancing our own way. We get, we get so dogmatic about something, we listen for something, make a mistake, or say something's not quite true, and we pounce on it. What are we doing? Just trying to prove our point. Trying to win an argument. Instead of actually listening to what someone is trying to tell us. Albeit imperfectly. But especially if they're emotional or worked up. They're trying to convey something. They're feeling something's going on. And they're trying to convey it. And here we are trying to win an argument. In Luke 11 the Bible said this. And he said these things unto them. The scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently. Talking about Jesus. And to provoke him to speak of many things. They try to get him talking. Laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. They try to get, they try to stir Jesus up. They try to push his buttons. Try to get him to say something so they could point an accusing finger, so they could win an argument. Number six. Consider the timing. We're talking about how bringing peace. We're talking about getting rid of the argument. Consider the timing. You know, sometimes we have the right thing to say, but we don't pick the right time. That word fitly in verse uh, chapter 25, verse 11 of Proverbs is a word fitly spoken. That means timely. That's what that word means. 
A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. You say, I don't know if this is the right time. Then better not say anything until you know you have the right time. Apples of gold and pictures of silver. A word, a well-timed word is picturesque is what God is saying. It's beautiful. Jesus himself withheld. Jesus himself in John 16, 12 said to his disciples, I have many things to say unto thee. But ye cannot hear them now. Jesus said, I've got things i like to tell you, but it's not the right time. You're not ready to hear it. Consider the timing. Wisdom is timing your conversations according, all right, according to another's load. Do you know there's some things that, need, that you need to talk about, but if you're wise, you'll say, yeah, it's not time to talk about that right now. They have enough on them right now. They have enough on them. My wife's done this for me many, many times. But she'll, she'll say, she'll say, honey, I have something I want to, I need to share with you. And come find out. She's been, she's had it by herself, carried it for four, three or four or five days or something like that. But she knew that I would blow up at her if she, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, she knew the time wasn't right. She knew the load that I had at that time. And she knew it wasn't the best time to, to unload that. Wisdom is timing your conversation according to another's disposition. I hate to say it, but if someone's in a bad mood, that's probably not the best time to go at it. (laughs) According to someone else's strength. Maybe they're not strong enough yet at that time uh, to hear it. Uh, Timing timing is so important. I'm sure you ladies know the best time to get something out of your husband is when his belly is full. Amen. We all feel better when our belly's full. Amen. Number seven. Number seven. We'll stop the arguing. Be the first to give in. Be the first to give in. Remember Abraham and Lot, they they had a conflict, didn't they? Lot's servants couldn't get along with Abraham's servants. God's blessing them both. And um, and there was conflict. Lot was already kind of very well established and very well to do. And Abraham, of course, Abraham was fantastically wealthy. And and uh, who came to whom? Who approached whom? Did Lot approach Abraham or did Abraham approach Lot? Abraham approached Lot. Who was the stronger of those two? Abraham or Lot? Is Abraham. You know what? The stronger person is the one who gives in. Not the one who says, I'm right. This is right. This is not right. What you're doing is what I'm doing is right. Maybe. But Abraham valued the relationship with his nephew more than he did setting those servants straight. Abraham had every right. Abraham had every right to. I mean, Lot was his nephew, but Abraham raised him. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to his dad, but he raised him as a son. Abraham had the right to go in there and say, Lot, you better straighten your servants out or you're going to be, you're going to be kicked out of this household. He had every right to do that, but he didn't do that. What did he do? He said, uh, Lot, you know, we have this thing, conflict. You tell me what you want to do. We, we're gonna, we're gonna have, we need some more room. We're going to we're gonna have to distance ourselves from each other. And, you know, sometimes you have to do that. 
You have to do that with family, don't you? you have, sometimes you have to love family from a distance, right? And uh, and uh, Abraham said, Lot, we're going we're gonna to have to spread out. Which way would you like to go, Lot? You, you figure out which way you would like to go, and I'll go the other way. Abraham, the stronger one, gave in. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Yielding equals humility. The way you humble yourself is by yielding, is by giving in. And when you, even at, at your own loss, you give in. Guess what? That's the one that God's going to exalt. Amen. That's the one God's going to exalt. Ecclesiastes 10.4 says these words, yielding pacifieth. It's talking about relationship of a boss and an employee. It said this, it's, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. That's a good verse. How many of you have ever had a boss blow up at you and yell at you or scold you or and, and, and it was absolutely unjustified? Maybe you had a little part in it, but it was not. And it, I mean, how many of you have experienced that before and you want to just say, forget this, here's the keys, and throw the keys and walk out the door? Um, <laughs> I called a guy one time. I said, man, how's your job going? He said, I'm on the way home in my truck. I just quit. He said, I made a big mistake. He got mad at his boss or something, and maybe it was legitimate. Maybe the boss was you know, misunderstood or something, whatever. He said, I got blamed for something, and it wasn't on me. And she said, I, I got mad, and I just quit. He said, he said that wasn't smart, was I? I said, no, that wasn't smart. <laughs> If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Be the first to give in. Listen to this statement. The secret to getting along with anybody is in not wanting your own way. The secret to getting along with anybody is in not wanting your own way. That doesn't mean we don't all have likes and dislikes and preferences and ideas and thoughts. But you want to get along with somebody, you put what you want aside. Number eight, don't force the issue. Don't force the issue. Don't force the issue. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33 says, Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter. How many of you ladies ever made your, made your own butter? We used to have a, one of those wooden things. I don't, I don't think we ever used it, but anyway, it was ornamentation and it had a paddle. And you, now, how many of you done that before? We made your own butter? All right. Churn the milk and it brings forth butter. And the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. Have you ever got a bloody nose before? Guess what happens? Blood's going to come. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. If you force an issue, you're going to have a fight on your hands. Don't force the issue. In 1 Kings chapter 12, 2 Chronicles chapter 10 records the advice that was given to Rehoboam. And here's what the, the here's the advice they said. If thou wilt be a servant of this people, we'll serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. If thou be kind to this people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. Is that what Reboam did? 
No, he said, I'm going to go let him know what, who's the boss. I'm going to give what for it. And he lost his kingdom. Two more. Number nine, bite your tongue. You want to stop the arguing? Bite your tongue. Sometimes the best answer is silence. Silence. That's not I'm talking about when you're mad and you don't talk to each other for a week. I don't mean that kind of silence. But I'm talking about when the tempers rise and voices, voices rise. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Isaiah 53, 7, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. I'm talking about Jesus. He kept his mouth shut. You know what? You don't ever have to apologize for. You don't ever have to apologize for the words you did not say. Yeah. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. You know, here's a guy. He's misunderstood. He's actually a fool. People think he's wise. Silence is occasionally misunderstood, but it is never misquoted. Have you ever suffered loss because someone misquoted your words? <laughs> Silence is never misquoted. What'd they say? They didn't say anything. Amen. Bite your tongue. Proverbs 26, 4, answer not a fool according to his folly. Number 10, let it be. <laughs> let it be. Let it be. The Bible said, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. Remember that uh, Sunday school lesson of the, uh, the Carters and the Wakefields? Remember that Sunday school lesson? It was Sunday school we learned. Anyway, you remember that one? Andy's trying to, uh, Mr. Wakefield, Mr. Carter, fighting each other, feuding, right? Remember that? Andy goes, he said, why are you, why are y'all shooting, why, why are you shooting at each other? What do you mean, why, why are you shooting at each other? He said, because we're feuding. Well, why are you feuding? Because we're shooting at each other. Why are you shooting I, I told I, I think that was Sunday school where I learned that. Anyway, you know it's a sad thing when you can't even remember why you're mad at somebody. So many things, y'all. Let them be. Know when to drop something. Proverbs seventeen fourteen says, "Leave off contention before it be meddled with." Leave off contention before it. Be meddled with. Listen, if you know it's going to cause a fuss and cause a fight, leave it off. Leave it off. Let it be. Let it be. Well, it's not right. Okay. You don't have to solve everything in the heat of the moment. Let it be. If it is so wrong, it'll probably become more apparent, let, apparent later. Let the temperature go down, your blood pressure go down to normal. And if it's serious enough, you can approach it a little later. But listen. We're God's people, and God's people ought not walk around their own house mad at each other and not, not raise their voice at one another and fuss and fight and argue. The Bible said, meddle not. Leave it off before it be meddled with. I'll tell you this story. Most of you heard it ten times, but some of you haven't. So for the two who haven't heard it, I'll tell it. It was about 9.30 on Saturday night. I had done on a dozen letters or something like that. And I went to the mailbox right over here, 206 East Beasley, and put them in the mailbox. 
And there's a man walking down Henshaw Street right by the Holt Building and turned right onto Beasley Street. Excuse me, man walking down Beasley Street, a pickup truck, pardon me, pickup truck came down Henshaw Street, turned right onto Beasley Street. I'm at my mailbox over there. Here's a pedestrian walking down Beasley Street. Here's a pickup truck, comes Henshaw, turns right, passes the pedestrian, evidently hit a, some water or something, splash water on him. And uh, it's, it's, the street light's all it is, street light out there. I'm at my mailbox. And this truck goes by and splashes water on this guy, and he starts yelling profanities. Black and black. I'm like, what? So I'm, you know, I'm what? 200 yards, 300 yards the most. He's yelling profanities. So the brake lights on the pickup truck, guys coming to Beasley Street, and he's about about right here where I'm standing out there on the street, and his brake lights come on. I thought, oh, that's not good. This guy's still yelling profanities. So he crosses, he's on that side of Beasley, he crosses over to this side of Beasley Street where he can now see the passenger side, the man in the pickup truck. Now the man in the pickup truck is yelling, and here's the pedestrian yelling, here's the pickup truck. Now the backup lights come on. And I thought, this is not good. The backup lights come on. Now then, the pickup and the pedestrian are side by side. The door opens up, yelling profanities at each other. I'm standing at the mailbox. The preacher's standing there by the mailbox. They're burning my ears. Yelling at each other. I can't see just shadows is all I can see. And the man in the pickup truck reaches inside his pickup truck and I hear, all of a sudden I hear, I know what that sound was. And all of a sudden I saw him, just the shadowy figures, something pointed at that man's head saying, you want some of this? You want some of this? You want some of this? And I... I mean, I went to Bible college for, well, five years. It took me seven years. But anyway, nobody taught me what to do when that happens. I didn't even, it just instinctively at the top of my lungs, I said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I started singing at the top of my lungs. This guy's right here. I'm over at my mailbox. He's like, you want some of this? And all of a sudden he's going, then the pedestrian and the driver both looking down at me. The man put his gun away, got in his truck, and left. The other man comes walking my way, the pedestrian. Did you see that? Did you see that? Call the police. He pulled a gun on me. I said, buddy, let me tell you something. You deserved it. I said, it's the grace of God you didn't get your head blown off tonight. What kind of fool are you? Cussing a guy out because he splashed water on you? Seriously, sir? I let him have it. He said, call the police. I said, yeah, we'll call the police and he'll get the full story. He'll get the full story. He said, well, don't call the police. (laughs) Mike came to church the next day. He did. He didn't cuss while he was here either. He came one time. I don't know what's happened to him since then, but he came to church the next day. And we didn't have revival or anything, but anyway, he came to church. Now, you know what? Listen, 
leave off contention. Don't meddle with something that's just going to make us stink. That did not have to happen. I wonder how many people have gone out into eternity early, how many people are in jail because they just could not let something alone. They couldn't walk away. If somebody pitches you a, a, a softball and wants you to hit it and start a fight, just just take a walk. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All God's people say. Let's stand together, shall we? And we'll be so sweet to each other.